What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of Can I Kick It? This is your host, as always, Elliot Barr, and joining me is my good man, Shandra in the second. And we are here. We are here to talk about one of Africa's greatest talents, you know, the motherland itself, Cameroon legend, Samuel Eto. Fossi? Is it Fossi? Feast. Feast. Yes. Never knew that was his last name. I yeah. swear I thought his last name was Eto. Yeah, a, a lot of people did, but um, yeah, another another little fun fact about him, he so, is uh he is a chief in the Kafu Balam region of Sierra Leone. I mean, for what this man did, I, I expect him to be nothing less. Than <laughs> <laughs> and before we start this podcast, I just want to say, I'm so glad we do this podcast because not only it, we get to talk about legends. In the black community of soccer, we get to talk about how important their career was and what they done mm-hmm. on and off the pitch. But for someone that didn't start watching soccer until the 2010 World Cup, mm-hmm. it didn't start watching like league soccer until the 2014 World Cup. I'm really glad that I get the opportunity to talk about Sonny Eto because the only thing I care about Eto, what I remember is like Chelsea, yeah, Everton. And yeah, then, the like, tail end of t- yeah, telling. So, I never really got to see like the Barcelona years, the Inter Milan years. Yeah. I only got to see it do like YouTube clips or people talking about our podcast. Yeah. And, like, I just said to you before we started recording, his career truly reminds me of like Hakeem Olajuwon. Yep. Where it's like you really only focus on. For Hakeem, you only really hear about like the middle part of the 90s when Jordan retired. Yeah. But you don't realize, like, he was part of the Five Slime Jamma team and, you know, the great one he had in the 80s. And he was part of the Twin Towers in Houston. And how they tried to make an early trio with Scottie Pippen, Charles Barkley, and him and Clyde Drexler. Like, you don't hear about that that era of it. So, getting to do this podcast on Sammy Eto, I'm all ears. Like, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, going in. I mean, and and I mean, he's a legend. He's put up there with the lights. He is ranked as as uh, one of the top three African players, along with the likes of George Weah and DJ Drogba, which is just a big shout because they are. Uh, I mean, George Weah himself is a living legend. Um, DJ Drogba is also a living legend, and, and Samuel Eto rightfully belongs up there with those two names. Oh, yeah. When I think about great Africans in soccer, of course, George Weah, Didier Drogba, Sami Eto'o, Yaya Torre. Like, yeah, those, those, are, those are the four big names, yeah. Yeah, those, those are, are the four big names. Um, you, you you hear a little bit about Okocha, you know, and, and especially now, you're, you're hearing a lot more, especially with regards to the, the likes of Aubameyang and Mane and Salah. Um, however, I... I, I it, it will take a lot. I know that for all three of those players, there's still a lot of time left in their career. But it will take a lot, at least in my eyes, for players like Salah, Mane, Aubameyang to reach the heights in terms of legendum as Samuel Eto'o. Because, I mean, I understand that, yeah, like we had last year, where that, which was a great year for Africa in the Premier League, where... Salah, Mane, and Obama Yang were joint top scorers of the league. And that's great for Africa. But I don't think, at least not yet, none of them hold a candle to Eto. 
see, for me, it's a little bit different because of how I, when I started into the game, so around like 2014, he was at Turkey. Yeah. This is I mean, this, all, the tail this was like Chelsea Everton. So I saw that Eto. And I'm like, you know, so I. I you saw a few moments of brilliance, yeah. but yeah. So it's like, I don't hear about Eto being talked about as the legend that you're talking about him. I remember him from this. Whereas, like, Didier Drogba, I, like, in my head, it wasn't until I did more research on Didier Drogba. Oh, also, by the way, that podcast is coming. Oh, it's coming. Trust us. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That I did, like, I swore I thought, like, his whole playing career was Chelsea. Yeah. Eto, it wasn't, like, when I first learned about Eto, I mean, semi Eto, it was, I just all heard about Inter. And then I realized, like, then the more I learned about it, it was, like, oh, Barca. And then I realized that he started off at really Real Madrid. I'm like, wait, don't Real Madrid and Barca aren't they rivals? Don't they hate each other? Like, how did this work yeah, out? There's there's, like, there's definitely some space between Real and Barca, which makes him not a traitor. To my <laughs> yeah, to my knowledge, there's only one person that was loved by both fan base, and that's the original R nine. Because yeah. Luis Figo caught hell. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I mean, they, yeah, they, I mean, I. Think you can say that the only other player who only played for one but was loved by both is Ronaldinho. I mean, he's loved by everybody. Yeah. But. <laughs> that's that's it. So yeah. when Eto starts, he pretty much he first tried to go to illegally move to France because you know the Cameroon French connection and all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's definitely. And he illegally tried to live there for six months. It didn't really work out. So he got kept getting sent back. So he's kind of playing. At this academy, almost uh, because yeah, the Kaji, yeah, the Kaji Sports, Sports Academy. Yeah. He's kind of playing there. <laughs> there was like, it was, so we watched the uh, Tifo football video, uh-huh. and it was just like, yeah, Scott walked up to him and was like, "Hey, you want to play for Real Madrid?" And he just said, "Yeah." <laughs> and in my head, I'm thinking like, that is that is sketchy. <laughs> like, how did you just be like, mm, yeah, uh, let's do it? But then, like, I had to all like the more you t- me and you talked about it, we also realized like. That's how it is when it comes to football in Africa. Like, it's not like yeah. you're not oh, playing. Yeah. You're not, when you're growing up in Africa, and then overlap is kind of like, you see it here in America, like the goal isn't to become the greatest player here. It's to go to Europe and be the greatest player, player there. there. Because that's the hotbed. Yeah. That's the Mecca. That's yeah. that's where you want to go. Like, that's the Duke. That's the UNC there. Yeah. Where, like, also in Africa, it's like, a lot of the teams there, they're feeder clubs. Like, even the great, great teams, they're feeder clubs because yeah. it's, we want to get you over there so we can collect the check. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's one thing that it, it's it, it's interesting, and it goes to show the 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 money that goes into to football around the world without pay-to-play is that you have, in some of these countries that are financially struggling you have state-of-the-art soccer facilities oh yeah like in countries like cameroon sierra leone ghana nigeria uh you know ivory coast you have a a situation where you'll have like extremely poor dire situations and right next door there is a very well manicured soccer facility like the fields look better than like (laughs) 
Old Trafford. Like, it, it's, it's crazy. And you, you think to yourself, where is all this money coming from? Well, when you are the one who developed Samuel Eto'o, you get that Samuel Eto'o money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you see the same thing in Argentina, in, in, in yeah. Brazil, in, in, in Colombia, and all of that. So, Eto, pretty much, he can't play for Real Madrid firstly because he's a minor. So, he has to go to Real Madrid B. Yeah. Um, so, pretty much when Real Madrid B gets relegated from Segunda, Segunda B, um, they go down to the third tier, which is the Segunda Division B. Um, Non-EU players aren't allowed to play. Yeah, so he can't play. He can't That's, play. I mean, it's un, it's unfortunate. It's not, nothing and wrong with that. He That's pretty much he just goes on loan. He goes to Leganes. Uh, for the 97 days, after making 30 appearances, and he only scored four goals, he goes back to Real Madrid, and he doesn't really even get even playing time. It's not like Madrid are trying to be like, you're somebody for the future, we're going to give you playing time here, there, you know, we're going to try to give you 900 minutes over the season. It's kind of just like, you want to hold a shirt? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you're, you're looking at a Real Madrid around 98. This is... Uh, I think this is pre-Galacticos. This is pre-Galacticos, but it's the start of that era where Real Madrid is the giant, and you yeah, they're not looking to develop youth. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they are, but they're like you. You ain't ready to roll with the big boys yet. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's kind of that that mentality. So I do I do like the fact that Real Madrid, even though they're like, yeah, you're not playing with the first team. You you're not there yet. They are still like, all right, let's put him out on loan here. Let's put him out on loan there. Let's try and make sure he's getting training. He's getting playing time. He's getting, you know, the 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 repetition of field play that he needs that maybe one day we'll be able to use him. Yeah. But it doesn't end up happening. But still, that development does happen. Yeah. And when you look at clubs like Leganes and Espanol, Espanol especially, they are, it, it takes a lot to be a, a local rival to a club like Barcelona, even at that time. So, Espanol, that's a big enough club for him to be able to learn a lot at. So, he only made one of the players, and that was in the Copa del Rey. So, yeah. after that year, he goes to Mallorca. And this is where, so you remember um, Copa 90, right? Yes. On YouTube. So, you remember uh, Eli, he used to make the videos of like um, the Darbies. Yes. So there was a video on Mallorca, and this is where I really like did a more deep dive of Samuel Eto'o. Because I, I like in my head, I thought Eto'o's career was Barcelona, Inter, and he decided to go to Turkey. Like yeah. that's what I really thought. Yeah, I didn't realize you're at Chelsea, you're at Everton, yeah, and then Bayern. And it was a part <laughs> in that video where he's talking to this older guy, um, and if you heard clapping, that's my wife downstairs watching the Steelers. <laughs> she's excited <laughs> um, so it's a part in that video where he's talking to this older guy about Mallorca and the guy is like yeah Mar- Samuel Eto'o stayed in my house and I paused it I was like wait what <laughs> <laughs> I was like hold on and he was just talking about how like but even he was talking about how like Samuel Eto'o grasped so much onto Mallorca and how much he was so in love with the part he even said it like I like I like it here, Mallorca. It's always been a, um, it's always been well looked after. The fans appreciate me, and I, and I also I have a contract that runs out of two thousand seven. And he was like, I want to be here. Not only does he was their club record fee uh, when he signed on to him for four point mm-hmm. four million. He went on to be their record goal scorer in La Liga with fifty four goals. Yep. You know, and I mean, 
his time in Maroka was like legendary stuff. It's it's really that stuff where you know you have someone that is too talented to be there, but he's not in a rush to leave because he's like, I, I love this place. Yeah. Prime example, Cesare with Richmond. Yeah. We look. You can ask any Richmond kickers fan. We all know that man is too good to be playing. <laughs> he is. But he loves it. We love him. So we are willing to take it. Hey, you can stay right here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really like what it comes down to. And that's why I made that comparison to like Hakeem Olajuwon, where like if you look at Hakeem's career, yeah. he was so good at Houston. Him and Ralph Sampson in the Towers of Domination mm-hmm. in, the, in the late 80s with Houston. But you could, it was like that weird point you could tell like, does he have enough to get to the next, to get to the Western Conference Finals, to get over the Lakers, to get over Portland? Yeah. You know, to, to get to a Finals, to win a Finals, is he going to leave to go to L.A.? Is he going to leave to go to a Boston? Is he going to leave to go to a Philly? But he loved Houston so much that he decided to say, and that's the same thing with Edsel. Like, if I don't have to leave, I'm not going to leave. I say all that to say he left in 2004 <laughs> yeah. to go to Boston. But before he left, he also got Real Mallorca to a Copa del Rey final where he scored twice. Late goals to win win uh, Copa del Rey for them. So he left on great terms, and I I kind of think at that point where it's like, all right, I hit my heights here. There's not much I can do to elevate and kind of push this club to do more and be more. Let me now transition to the bigger beast, which is FC Barcelona, which he goes into 2004. Yeah. And another thing is, I didn't realize his time in Barcelona was so short. It's only three years. Yeah. Three years. Well, he he. I think he leaves in in two thousand nine. It's three years under Frank uh, Richard. Right, right card. Uh, I corrected you in the name. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Everyone Frank. listening is like one for Elliot, twenty for <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, because after that, Pep Guardiola comes in. The Pep system comes in, and apparently. And so Pep don't really get along very well, which but is kind of a theme in Pep's career. In Pep's career, I mean, there's always that one player that's like, I don't like this guy. And but I mean, to go before then under under a right card, Eto, I mean, he he comes in to Barcelona like like a hurricane. So, this is the crazy thing. Before he even goes to Barcelona, it's a three-way deal between Mallorca, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. Yeah. The only reason why Real Madrid is in this deal is because there was a clause in the transfer when he risen with the Mallorca that if he gets sold for any fee over $10 million, we get a loan. They're, they're, we have the option of putting in a buyback clause in his next contract. So, yeah. when he moved to Barcelona... Florentino Perez tried to put a buyback clause in it and was like, and was trying to buy him back to come to Real Madrid to put him back on loan. At Barca. At Barca or anywhere. But Barca was like, to Mallorca, we'll give $24 million. So initially, Real Madrid was like, and that already kind of goes into the Galacticos phase, it's like, eh, all right, that works for us. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of just put it that way. But they're like, once again, parallel universe. There's a universe where Samuel Exum is a Real Madrid legend in the Galacticos era, playing with Zinedine Zidane and Ronaldo and Raul and and Beckham and and McManaman and 
Roberto Carlos, jeez. It's insane. That is insane. That is insane. I mean, but it's it's it, it goes to show you, but if you really think about it, I don't think on in terms of on the pitch his career would change that much because if you look at the Barcelona squad, because at the, we need to realize that while the Galacticos are coming into fruition with um with Real Madrid, Barcelona is a dark horse Galacticos forming as well with some of the players that they had coming up into in that system. And and you you it, it kind of shows that disparity between Real Madrid and Barcelona is that one buys its players, the other one develops its players, but they still end up on <laughs> the anymore. same but, but, no, but, but they still end up on the same level. Yeah. And it makes you think like the only difference we would probably have would be that we wouldn't have as much off the field drama or maybe different off the field drama with Samuel Eto at Real Madrid as opposed to um as opposed to Barcelona. Which is which is insane to, to think about. I mean him being a Real Madrid player and not a Barcelona player, would he have gotten the move to enter? Would he because would that trade Would he have, have you know Winning the Champions League, being part of the trouble team, two back-to-back trouble teams. You know, there's a lot that changes. Yeah. But he went to Barcelona, and the rest is pretty much not history, but he kind of embraces it because oh this is the thing I realized about Sammy Eto. Eto. This man is vindictive. Like, he holds grudges. He does. He <laughs> got a fine for $12,000 because he said... 12,000 euros. Yeah. <laughs> Which because is probably he said, somewhere around $20,000. <laughs> Madrid... Bastards salute the champions, which is like, dude, you just won La Liga. Why are you worried about Madrid? Eto is like he creates many rivalries in his head. I mean, I wouldn't say it's many rivalries in his head. I think, I think to a certain extent, it's it's him basically kind of sticking it to Real Madrid. It's like you were so worried about buying big name, buying big name, buying big name. You had a big name under your belt, and you just got rid of him. And now look at me. Yeah. I'm on top of you now. You, I could, you could have been, I could, I could have been doing this with y'all, but now you guys are watching me do this with another club. You're rivals at that. You're bitter rivals at that. And the thing was, it wasn't like he was just this guy that scored, you know, a bunch of goals against no names. No, he scored big goals when they mattered. He contributed six goals on Barcelona's run to the Champions League title, and in the final, after. <laughs> Giannis Lehmann fouled Eto for bringing him outside the penalty box. He goes on and scores a goal. Yeah. And he was awarded with his best forward of the year for his accomplishments in the European campaign. Also during this time, he wins the Europe I mean the African player of the year three years in a row. Which it's historic. I mean, with that's pretty much like Africa's MVP. You win that three years in a row. Like we already talked about one person who won it, George Weah. He won won it only twice. Yeah. And this is also the same time where he's having to deal with Yaya Torre coming through his glory years. Yeah. That, like, Eto was just on a different level. Did he a drug as well? Like, he was on and, a different and, level. And that's the thing. You you see a lot of um, comparison between him and DJ Drogba because they were roughly in the same era. Um, there's a, the, the, 
Eto versus DJ Drogba, which one was better, which which one was a better player. Uh, hey, what's going on, guys? This is Elliot. I know you guys are really enjoying this really unique story, um, but we got to pay bills around here. So, you know, make sure we provide you guys with more unique episodes. So, this sponsor is from the Non-League America who has been exploring the diversity of the United States through the lens of soccer since 2012. Non-League America makes documentaries highlighting ambitious clubs that are pushing the boundaries of what is possible both within the confines and just outside the system, built without their interests in mind. These clubs are building the foundation of American soccer community from the ground up. So, if you support us, go support them. Check out their latest documentary, Non-League America, Volume 15, more than ready, the story of Goldsboro Strike Eagles FC on Facebook or YouTube. And also make sure to follow them and non-league USA on Twitter or on Facebook. So with that being said, here's back to the episode. I can see Eto and DJ Drogba being the African Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah. Because they're two different types of players. When you look at how creative and how deceptive Eto can be on the field and how uh, how much he can hit you from anywhere in any way at any moment it's it's very reminiscent of Messi um and it's it's interesting because he actually is one of the players who paved the way for Messi uh at Barcelona I mean we we all you know know the fame story of you know Ronaldinho being the one to to kind of shepherd Messi into that role and being the one to assist his first um, Barcelona senior team goal, but Eto was there throughout that time as well. Throughout the time where Messi was being developed in the youth academy and 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 having his stints with the reserves, that Eto did play a big part in whom Lionel Messi is in terms of a player. And that's something that I I don't hear talked about as much because it's, when it comes to like it, it's because about, of Ronaldinho. It's because okay. of the presence of Ronaldinho, and it's it's hard to outshine Ronaldinho. I mean, it's it's nearly impossible yeah, to, out, to outshine Ronaldinho in, in in what he brought to the game. But you you, I, I see Samuel Eto for Barcelona the way Karim Benzema is looked at now at Real Madrid. When you think Real Madrid, Karim Benzema, especially around the time of uh, Gareth Bale, Ronaldo. Uh, uh, Modric in his prime you don't look at Benzema as up there but I mean the, he low key is like the leading scorer regularly yeah. for Real Madrid and it's he's that player that you don't notice when he's there but he, he's like the bass in a band you don't really notice it but you take it out you will notice it <laughs> you know <laughs> and that's that's Samuel Eto he's, he, you'll see those goals missing when he's not there You'll see, like, wait, normally we're up, like, 4-0 right now. What happened? Oh, we're missing two goals, at least, from Samuel Eto because he's not here. Mm-hmm. So, it, it and, and I think that that's one thing that, that is the reason why people don't really talk about as much how much of an impact Eto had on Messi's career and or on Messi's upbringing as a player in Barcelona. But he, he did play a big role. And another thing, too, like, for really the 2006-2007 season, he was at, like, all-time peak high. Yes. I wouldn't say, like, he was about to hit, like, a downfall, but he ruptured his meniscus. He missed most part of that year. Comes back. 07-09 is where 
I want to say the phasing out of Eto begins. Stuff kind of starts. Guardiola era. Yeah, it kind of starts getting to that point. But something hilarious that I found out. Guess what Eto's first hat trick was in league play. Mind you, this is one who scored multiple goals. Is a league top scorer, uh, yeah. the Titi winner. In in that was against uh, I don't remember they, their their home jersey is similar Levante. Yeah, two thousand eight. Yes, and that's so weird to me that this man, that's his first league hat trick. Yes, and I'm like, normally you would think if you're the league top scorer and stuff like that, you would have hat tricks left and right. right. Yeah, like that's. That's absurd. That's that's something that just stuck out to me. Well, that, I mean that that shows the style of the of La Liga. Um, the thing with Samuel Eto is, gosh, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking. Imagine he had gone to a club like Chelsea or Everton a little before when he did. You're looking at a player who knows how to find the space mm-hmm. in such a fast paced league like the Premier League. He would have been up there with Luis Suarez scoring goals, but the 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 Spanish league is so much more technical that those pockets of space that he lives in aren't as frequent. They they'll appear in every game, and he'll find that one moment, and he'll score, and he'll punish you for it. But they're very rare to happen within each game. And so, because of that, you're not going to get a situation where he's scoring three, four goals a game. Yeah. He, he, he might get two, but it usually caps at there because it's like, yeah, hey, watch him. <laughs> so Now, it's been kind of reported that him and Pep Guardiola did not have the best of uh, friendships. Oh, oh, they were, yeah. <laughs> they were not close yeah. at all. It, I mean, it kind of got talked about in Atlanta about how Pep Guardiola Pep Guardiola famously asked him to switch numbers with Terry Henry in the preseason match. It was like, Henry, you know, you were a 14, I'm going to want you or not. Eto, you can pretty much choose whatever. And I don't blame Eto. He kind of like took that as a slap in the face. It was just like, yo, I'm a multiple-time Petitio winner. I've won a Champions League here. My wife agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's done all these amazing things, and yet you're going to act as if I've done nothing? Like, yeah, and that 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 was, I view that as Pep Guardiola doing the Pep Guardiola thing of overcomplicating and overthinking things. It's like maybe if I change and put this player as the not, no, just work with work with what works. Now, look, I understand that. Don't get me wrong. Pep Guardiola's false nine system at Barcelona is. There's already books written about it. It's something that's going to be taught in college classes. Exactly. At some point. It's legendary. True, but it, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And you, and is, which is my viewpoint on it. it with Samuel don't Eto, fix it in terms of asking Sammy Eto to change number just because you have a petty squabble with him. If you were to put Eto on the right wing, that's great. But don't sit here and act like Eto didn't go above and beyond to be this legend of which he is. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I, I think it was a moment in Pep's career where I, I personally think it should be something that he should regret throughout his, his career. And because at the end of the day, when you look at, when you look at what Samuel Eto can bring to you, for you, 
yes, you have you have some other players that that can bring some 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 craziness. But you you need to re- realize this is before Thierry Henry. This is before Lionel Messi. Yeah. So he is your best player. Your your best sh- goal scorer by far. Yeah. He is your best goal scorer by far. So at this point, I, I do feel that it's it, you don't you. You don't do that to your best goal scorer, to your top goal scorer, and it's it's crazy that every single year at at Barcelona, he is one of the top scorers of the league, one of the top scorers of the team. He is up there. He is considered one of the top names, close to winning the Pachichi almost every year that he's at Barcelona. And look, even though him and Pep had their differences. It won't like this man won't win trophies. Oh, no. He was still winning stuff. He was still winning. Man, look. He went on to go win a treble his last year at Barcelona. His last game is the Champions League final. <laughs> when they win the treble against Manchester United. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't have to live this pain. You did. I, I lived this pain and it was... <laughs> I only know United to be an average club. They're like the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> this, is, this is the time where... This was the year after, I think the year after United had just beat Chelsea to win it. Or was it? No, no. I think it was a couple of years after that. Yeah, it was, the, I think 2007 was the year United uh, won it over Chelsea in penalty kicks. No, then 08. It was, it was 08. 08. It was yeah. 08. Okay, Watch so that. the year before, the year before, we won the Champions League. It was like, ah, oh, we're back again. We're going to do it again, you know, and then. Did y'all make it three out of four years in a row? Well, three, three years yeah. in a row. Three years in a was row. It three? Yep, because the okay. following year it was again Manchester United and Barcelona and no, it wasn't. It was yep. three out of four. Because 2010 is the Inter Bayern Munich was Etto wins. Ah, Inter Bayern Munich. Yes, ah. and then the following year we're back again and against again. Barcelona. <laughs> but this time we scored a goal. It's two one. It's two one. Wayne Rooney. Small victories. Thanks to Wayne Rooney. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much Barcelona wins, goes on to win that final two nothing. They win the trouble. Lionel Messi has 38 goals. Eto has 36. 36. And Ari has 26. 26. I mean, it, it's it's to show you. They score a, exactly 100 goals a year. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. Like, dude. Imagine the, and, if and you score... Just looking at that, that, that spreading of the goals, that's just basically them out there being like, you, you want to you wanna score this one? Your turn. Your turn. Oh, no, he scored the last one. It's your turn. <laughs> like, really? You know how we came up with MSN? That thing was meh. Yeah. And Meh scored 100 goals. <laughs> Meh scored, got a treble. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's insane. But, I mean, obviously Pep and Etzel stuff was kind of getting to the point where it, it wasn't salvageable anymore. I yeah, mean, it was. Xavi, um, Pio, Ronaldinho, um, Ronaldinho it was uh, Iniesta, Leo, and Henri pretty much sat in the room. And, um, Barca's team manager at the time came to Eto and was like, hey, look, there's someone here that wants to talk to you. Eto himself thought it was, you know, this is when they were in the United States. Yeah, this was on the U.S. And tour. Eto thought it was Beyonce. So he's like getting all dressed up, ready, like, hey, I'm about to go be Beyonce, baby. <laughs> and he goes into the room and he sees his teammates and he's like, huh. well, this is a bummer. It's and then he sees, an intervention moment. And then he sees Pep Waddle behind him and he was like, Normally, we see Pep is not like normal term because even this year when he went to Trump, he only talked to Pep twice. Yep. Once when Pep was like, oh, hey, this is how you play striker. And Eto famously told him, you're a horrible footballer. Why am I taking lessons from you? 
Yeah. Which I mean, I mean, at at the end of the day, I, I think is a bit incorrect. I can understand him saying, "You're not a striker. Don't talk to me about how to be a striker." Because Guardiola, Guardiola is a Barcelona. That's player fine. As a central defensive midfielder, don't Once tell again, a striker how to strike. That's fine. The fact that you said that to somebody <laughs> is savage. <laughs> like, no, Eto Eto don't play. But I mean, here's the thing, though. I and this is where. Yes, you you mentioned um, um, Elijah Wan, but I equate this part reminds me of Kobe. Oh yeah, he'll talk a lot of crap, but he'll back it up. So at the end of the day, Eto's telling him, "You can't tell me how to be a striker." He has the stats to prove it. This whole relationship between Pep and Eto is no more than Phil Jackson and Kobe. Yeah, that's all this is. This is all this is, and. The other crazy thing about it is the other time he talked to him was about Yaya Torre. And Yaya Torre was like, I ain't talked to this man in two years. I don't want nothing to do with him. Yeah. So that's all insane. So it, it got to that point where it was like, it, and I understand wholeheartedly what Etzel was coming from. He was like, I'm not going to apologize to a man who disrespected me first. Yeah. And I've done everything that he's asked me to do. In spite of him disrespecting It's like I gave you trophies upon trophies and you still haven't apologized to what you did to me. Yeah. For what you did to me. And and that, that to, to be honest, true, if you really think about it, it's like, well, he has every right to be upset. Because you're going to take his number nine away from him and he's still going to bring you trophies. You go into that and, and that day that they have that intervention was on a U.S. tour you put Samuel Eto in with twenty minutes left, and Eto scores like three goals. <laughs> Pep just looked like a ghost. Pep just was like, "Well, <laughs> that makes you." It, it it kind of is a slap in the face to him. Like, yeah, this you you sit me out, you struggle to score, you put me in, goals go in. So why did you take the number nine away from me? Yeah, and it 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 goes to show you that eh, a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> a now, lot of pettiness that goes on with, right. within, in the world of soccer but at the end of the day I do feel that as a player you do need to stand your ground at certain points and Samuel Eto at this point stood his ground so at, at the end of them in trouble Eto gets famously traded it's weird to say a trade in soccer but he gets traded to Inter Milan Zlatan comes the other way Zlatan's another player who have problems with Pep <laughs> I don't think Zlatan made a full season. Made it a full season at Barca before he was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this. But he goes to Inter Milan, and he joins Jose Mourinho's another treble winning squad. And this is a team that I... The 2010 World Cup is where I learned a lot about this team because, like, at this time, like, one of my favorite players in 2010 World Cup that I love watching was Wesley Snyder. Mm-hmm. And how Wesner got robbed of the Ballon d'Or that year, and that was kind of like the whole, kind of like the underlying theme around that Netherlands squad was yeah. one they're not playing the typical Netherlands soccer, which is my mind. I'm like, what is Netherlands soccer? Like, Barcelona. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the Barcelona style comes from the Dutch. style. Yeah, play. which I, Elliot, 2010, fresh yeah. out of yeah, <laughs> so, freshman of college, and. I'm just I don't watching. know what that means. <laughs> I'm at the bar watching this dude. I don't care. Um, but hearing that, and then the other underlying story of was this is kind of the 
generation dying out and how are they going to do with yeah, Wesley Snyder's carrying the scene with Oz and Robin. Yeah, and, and you, you, you got this situation of, of um, yes, you know, the, the, them, the Dutch style of play kind of disappearing, but then watching Spain playing the Dutch style of play because at least 60% of Spain's team was Barcelona. The other 40% was Real Madrid. So, so you had, it, it's kind of like, it, it, it's kind of that moment where it, it's almost as if to say you see Spain leached that style out of, out of the Netherlands and destroyed them with it, of sorts. Now, he signs on for a five-year deal in July, and the, you know, the question actually comes up, well, how are you going to compare this last time? He says, like, don't compare me to him. I've done more. I'm the one that, if it wasn't for me, this deal doesn't get done. Yeah, I, I'm here. Yeah, you know? and he said, he said, I, I you know, my, he said, um, uh, he basically he, what he has contributed to the game adds enough value to his name that you don't need to be comparing him with anyone else. Yeah, pretty much. And to a certain extent, yeah, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> And this is where I think like we also have another overlap because in this trouble winning squad is another player that we talked about, Mario Bellatelli. Yes. And learning from someone like Sammy Eto, who man, he was in his bag. Yeah. <laughs> he was in his bag that year, man. He finished fifth in the Ballon d'Or, and I understand Lionel Messi was in God mode. But if it weren't for Messi, I Eto could have should have won that thing. Yeah, Ain't no way yeah. if it wasn't for Messi, Eto would have won. And it, it's crazy because if it wasn't for the likes of Messi and Ronaldo, you you have, I mean, the amount of players that would have gotten their due their due praises, um, it would have been a laundry list. Oh, yeah. And and a, a lot of people say, oh, you know, we're now living in an era where there are only two good soccer players. No, it's just that they're just so far better than everyone else that. You're forgetting the talent that's there. You're forgetting the Samuel Eto's. You're forgetting the DJ Drogba's, the the um, the the Snyderlands, the you know the players of that stature that were you know banging in gold left and right. The Wayne Rooney's, the the, the players who were solid, solid. If you said, you know, would you like such player? I'm ripping your arm off to get that player. Yeah, but. It's 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 crazy that it happens around the time of the 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 Messi Ronaldo dominance that that comes into play. Now the last great year we see of Eto is really two thousand ten two thousand nine after they won the trouble against Bayern Munich and he scores a P, uh, scores in the PK against him. Um, that was I mean not the PK against Bayern Munich but I mean he scored a bunch of goals for Inter Milan. It's really two thousand ten two thousand eleven which he <laughs> effectively even scored more goals. You know, his first year in 09 and 10, he had 48 appearances, 16 goals. 2010-2011, 53 appearances, 37 goals. Yeah. And he's just, you can tell, man. It's like, I, I don't know because I, I didn't, I, could, I, I couldn't go back and watch 2002-2011. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like he was carrying that team to, like, unprecedented levels. He was. He was. Um, like, that inter-team was starting to... 
It was starting to die off because Josie was getting ready to go back to Chelsea. I think yeah. he already left to go back to Chelsea. Yep, he had already left um, to go back to Chelsea. Yeah, because yeah. Benitez took over. And I remember Josie told him, I gave you the keys to the Ferrari. You drove it like a, tr- a, a dumpstruck. <laughs> but, I mean, that second year, they still win the Copa Italia. They win the Super Copa Italia. They get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. The uh, Super Cup runner-up. They win the uh, FIFA World Cup, Club Cup. And they finish second in the Serie A. So it's like, they're, you can tell, like, and it, at this point, you can kind of tell Eto is kind of starting to wear down and get tired. And he took a big payday to go to, now I'm a budget his name. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, and I've been practicing it all day. Asmid Mechaholica? Anzi Mekashkala. Anzi Makashkala, yes. Yeah, Makashkala does sound Russian. Yeah. <laughs> and the yeah, so thing, the Russian club, yeah. Yeah, in the Russian Premier League. And the only <laughs> thing outside of that is that he becomes the world's highest paid player at $20.5 million a year. Yeah. Bro, if I get $20.5 million a year, you ain't never hearing from me ever again. This podcast's over. <laughs> I, you don't know me, I don't know you. <laughs> exactly. I'm buying an island somewhere. <laughs> Bro, it's, it's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wrap. But, I mean, you can tell, like, he's kind of just taking on one-year deals. And this is where I start realizing him at Chelsea and Everton and stuff. But it's like, it's just one-year deals. And he's just hopping from team to team to team. And it's not even, like, in the case of where, how can I equate it to? It's not like with players like Richard Jefferson or Randy Moss and others that you can tell, like, all right, you're not at the peak level that you were. You can still contribute. Yeah. But you're ring chasing. Yeah. And Eto's career, it's not like he's ring chasing because he's he's won everything. He's won the Champions League. He's won a FIFA World Cup. Cup. He's won La Liga. He's mm-hmm. won Serie A. He's won Cups. He's, you know, he's, he's won, won the Pachichi. He's, he's won all these won things. The, the Ballon d'Or, yeah. And I guess at this point, it's just like, all right, I want to make money. <laughs> yeah. And and basically, I mean, that's what best played the gold in England. That's what they paid the most. Exactly. Almost. So. And I mean, look, you go to tell that he has some. Yeah, it's a good time there. Yeah, really famous is that celebration. Oh, and and that 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 celebration is is that question iconic question because both of them were blue, and I'm really starting to doubt myself right now. Was that Chelsea or Everton? He did the celebration. I feel like it was, it was Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. It was Chelsea because I remember um, shortly before some uh, someone had asked Jose Mourinho about him, and I, I think this was. Jose Mourinho, he he accidentally woke a sleeping giant, um, and I think it was just a a, a playful prod at Eto because I think him and Eto had a very good relation at Inter Milan. I think um, Jose Mourinho and Eto really saw eye to eye very much so at Inter Milan, and Jose kind of point throws a, a playful jab. Basically, banter saying that, oh, yeah, Eto, he's, he's getting old. He's not, you know, he's not the same Samuel Eto. He's, he's getting old. And what does Eto do? He goes and scores a goal, and his mm-hmm. goal celebration is mimicking an old man walking with a cane. Right. And that, that was just, to me, that was just brilliance. And I could just imagine Jose Mourinho sitting in his living room watching that and laughing because. I, I don't think there was any animosity there with that celebration. It was more like a little jab back 
from banter, and it, it, it was really, it was fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, so Samuel Eto'o accused of being old, quote-unquote, um, decides, okay, you, you, you're going to say I'm getting old, that I can't do it anymore? He goes and scores the goals, and he reminds everyone that, yeah, you said I was getting old, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... And I mean, at this point, after after Chelsea and Everton, he goes to Sampdoria, he goes to Espanyol, and Kanyaspor. Now, Chelsea and Everton, he doesn't. It's not. Uh, <coughs> it's not at all old. It's kind of like he's just there, kind of being a super sub, but he's not like really winning anything with him. Yeah. You know, he's not really doing a whole bunch. Um, and pretty much, it was in that Everton squad that. Kind of finished third, kind of lingers around. They didn't really do a whole bunch, but they got the Champions League semifinal. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> but then he gets the um, entrance for, and he kind of has a, a rebirth. 32, both back-to-back seasons, 2015, 16, 2016, 32 games and uh, 20 goals, 30, 30 games, 18 goals. And he kind of is getting back, but you can tell it's not the Eto that we Yeah, this saw, is this is know? the Eto that's that's getting up there in years. He's not gonna be as mobile. He's not as because there's a lot of Eto's game that 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 depends a lot on his agility, his quickness, and his speed. And of course, as you get older, he's not gonna yeah. gonna sit well. But yeah. <laughs> are we about to talk about the same thing? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Never knew this. Never heard about this. This man was also a player team manager. And I'll let you talk about it because this is hilarious. It, 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 it's it's funny because, I mean, you, you, you think to yourself, I mean, what has he not done? He hasn't managed the club. Ah, all right, we'll fix that problem. So, <laughs> at, at this club, Antelia Spor, the, um, the coach in on December 7th of 2015 is sacked. Uh, Yusef Shimshek is sacked as a head coach. And stepping in as interim player manager, enter Samuel Eto'o. For a month, Samuel Eto'o is the player manager for this Turkish club um, for on which he has a three-year deal with. I mean, it, it was only for a month because by January 2nd, they get a new manager and, and it's like, okay, go back to being a player. But... It, it's just funny to see that the, as as a player, he still ends up being a coach <laughs> to a certain extent, which is weird. It's, it's extremely weird. And you wonder, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't know if it's in anything but title for that month. I mean, I mean... I mean, I'm not sure exactly how the Turkish league runs in December because, to my knowledge, I think I think they have a break. Yeah, I think England is the only club that decides to the the only league that decides to cram in more games during the holidays than to alleviate some. You could also be like American and just avoid it altogether. No, I think the Turkish league runs the the same the same. You didn't catch a joke there. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, they they run the same the same calendar as the rest of Europe, but it, it it's it's funny to see that you know Samueletto, manager player, or player manager as they would say because, and I mean you know I'm player manager I'm starting every game. <laughs> I, I know this man asked for a raise. <laughs> I know he asked for more money. He was like, oh, I'm the best player on the team and I'm manager. 
throw an extra 50. Exactly. I, I know he did. <laughs> I know he did. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. <laughs> Ain't no way he's taking that, like, oh, I'll be player manager, no, no extra charge. No, no, no. no. I'm not asking for more money. Exactly. Um, so pretty much, this is the crazy thing, too, when it comes to actual career. is like Cameroon, his international career, man, like, it, I hate to say it, Drogba, I remember more for his international career than I do his club career. When I first started learning about soccer. Mm-hmm. That's the other way around. But when I go look at his international career, this man was the Cameroon national team. Like, he 118 was. games and scored 56 goals. And, oh, by the way, he's the leading, you know, all-time leading goal scorer for Cameroon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be, I, I don't know, I feel like it's going to be a while before that record is broken. Oh, yeah. Because... I mean, I, I feel that at the time where Eto was on the Cameroon national team was the beginning of the decline of Cameroon as African giants. Um, around that time, it was Africa and Nigeria. Yeah. That was it. That, they were the, they In the were, early 2000s, they did win African Cup of Nations twice and yes. uh, gold medal in 2000. But after that... After that, there was a it was a a, a drop off. Yeah. Um, Even to the both, point where I think what was it? Um, in December of two thousand eleven, mm-hmm. Eto gets suspended fifteen games by the Cameroon Federation, pretty much because the team refuses to play Algeria, because the Cameroon Federation decided not to pay bonuses. After those are they, friendly, yeah. and it's like it's it's a friendly. You have to pay them for that. Yeah. <laughs> those are those are the exhibition games. Those are the ones you pay them for the most at yeah. the end of the day because it's, it's an individual thing. Yeah, and luckily the ban was reduced to eight months in two thousand eleven. I mean two thousand twelve, meaning Eto only missed four competitive games. But it's still the thing of like you're suspending them for not paying them. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you look at them and it's like, okay, I mean, Samuel Eto's like, all right, that's fine with me. I mean, if you didn't pay me, all right, fine, because I'm getting paid $20 million a year. But I don't know that's all like that, because this is a singer that probably charged to be the manager. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's all so, his money. So, so I could understand that, but not every single player on that uh, Cameroon team. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Is getting paid Eto money, so yeah, no. they need to be paid for what the, for their for their contribution to the, to the to the to the nation's FA. Um, and the other thing was like when he got his first start, like he was the youngest participant in the '98 FIFA World Cup. Yep, and he appeared in the group stage loss. You know, but they lost three nine to Italy, but he appeared at the age of seventeen. Yep, you know, like you could already see young. And once again, another butterfly moment. How many African players have we seen made the move to at France? Like, there's a possibility if he can really get that move to France and be get you know get a trial with the team, get signed for the team. There's a world where Samuel Eto'o is playing for that French national team in '98, and there's a world where Nicolas Anelka, Terry Henry, and Samuel Eto'o are the front three for France. With Zidane behind them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you forgot about that part. With Zidane Bro, behind them. <laughs> that might be the biggest fumble bag ever by France. Exactly. <laughs> like, knowing what you know now about Eto? Yeah. Oh, my yes. gosh. Yes. So, so you have the best front three 
probably arguably the best front three and in the world. And then think about it. With the, best defense, with the best center midfielder in and the And then world. think about it. If he's French, Zidane is going to pull for him to stay at Real Madrid because he knows the talents of him. And this is also when Nicolas Anelka come to Real Madrid. That you have a completely different Galacticos. A completely different Galacticos. Eto, Anelka, I still Zidane. Think, I, I still think Florentine Perez ruins it. But just think... Oh, my God. Okay. You're, rotating <laughs> a front, you're rotating a front two between Ronaldo, Eto, and Anelka. Two of those three is starting every game. And it's like... And Ronaldo needs in. a little bit of a break. All right, Eto, go ahead in. Ronaldo, sit out for a few games. Get your legs back. And Anelka, come on out. Ronaldo, in. It, it, that wouldn't change anything. <laughs> and then you throw in the what is of like, now do you have these other two strikers? Does Ronaldo these hold up a little bit better? How does Beckham now? Did, did he go get David Beckham? Oh, no. You get David Beckham because that's, that's just service into... Three I know, but I'm just saying. Strikers. Like, I'm just saying. Like, okay, we're we're kind of hitting that weird <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. So let's let's go to <laughs> the club. butterfly effect rabbit hole. And let's get real. Let's talk about you know how Eto dealt with racism. Oh. In his career, which I mean, it is it, a reoccurring theme that we're going to get, a, and and all, I think almost every single player that we feature, every single uh, high end player that we feature, there is going to be that level of racism that you deal with, especially yeah. since he went to Inter, and we know how the Italians get with racism. And he <laughs> said, like, you know, in 2005, where the first real reported is Abigail Real Zaragoza, where he was just like, you know, I've experienced racism off the field because I'm a black man. Like, you know, I'm not dumb. Yeah. He was like, on the pitch, I thought it would be different. I thought that what I was doing for the fans... Wouldn't suggest me to them, but hearing monkey chats on the pitch and having bottles thrown him, you know he was ready just to walk off the field. And this is where I, I don't tolerate it at all, and I get actually like frustrated with other players and coaches that are trying to make you stay on the field. Because if you go back and look at the clip, and by the way, we'll put the clip in the description down below for those who want to watch it. Yes. When you go and look at the clip, it's like how. Are y'all trying to justify playing a game where such and such is like throwing monkey chats and y'all can hear this audibly? Yeah. And 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 the thing the thing that you get a lot of and you hear you know with the referee saying oh everything was normal is and it and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a shout out to um, someone I know here in Richmond to Greg Simmons um, owner of uh, Futsal RVA or the director of Futsal RVA. He, um, as a black man, posted on Twitter, if you don't live it, you won't understand it. And that is, I feel, the, the aspect that a lot of other players don't experience. They don't understand it. They just view that monkey chant as just more banter. Just jeering. It's just jeering. No, it's not. As a black man, it it means something deeper. It you, means something more harmful than you suck. Or When you understand the historical context of relating African Americans, people of color, black people, Africans, to monkeys, 
you will understand then why that is a disrespectful term. It's it's beyond it's beyond the the normal because everyone knows, and it also the, the, the home fans they're the twelfth man. Yeah, their job is to throw the away team off, to 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 do everything they can to disrupt that concentration, to 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 instill fear, because especially if you go to places like Anfield or. Um, uh, what's uh Dortmund Stadium? Uh, Watch Follow Stadion. Yes, the Stadion. You 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 want to instill apprehension and fear and and distraction, but there is a limit, and I don't feel that people outside. It's a thick line. It's not a thin line. It's it a, is a thick line. line. Exactly, and it it's it's one of those situations where I don't think anyone outside of anyone of African descent can truly understand. The level that this brings it to. No, I think people do understand it because if you can understand how saying the word pig is derogatory of a cop, I don't understand why you can't understand a monkey chant is derogatory of people of color. Oh, well, I mean, you. I'm not, no, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying, like, you understand one, so you clearly understand how it's derogatory. Well, well, you, you need to understand the difference between that. You choose to be a police officer, I don't choose to be black. Yeah, but, he. This is a totally different era. I feel like if this happened now, he would have walked up with it. And the fan, players would have walked up with him. But oh, I, I can see that because I, I do see... Um, you saw that situation happen not too long ago with uh, with a player at AC Milan. I think it was a, a, a friendly that they I were playing. So. And I think it was Prince. Was it? Was it? I think so. It was I, I Prince Boateng. Has the ball... Um, on the left channel, and I guess racial chance of being, he literally stops, picks up the ball, and punts it at the fans, and walks off. Oh, no one stops him. His teammates walk out with him, yeah. and that—that's the type of era we're starting to live in now. And slowly but surely, we're getting to that point and, uh, where you're gonna get the the whole team be like, <clears> you know what, right. I'm out. Yeah, and the other thing too about it is, it's like this is the first time this happened. This era goes with him. It happens the next year. Yeah. And even his head coach, Frank Reichardt, who was of African origin, told him, like, concentrate your football and stop talking about the incident. Which, I understand as a head coach, but... Also, I gotta remember that the social... That, like, the presence of being correct and doing the right thing wasn't around in this era. No. It wasn't around. It, it, we were living in an era where... Um, players of African descent were content in putting, just put your head down and keep going. Yeah. Which, and you collect know, your paycheck. Fair to know. And I mean, you could understand, you, you see why, but at the end of the day, you have situations now where, you know, you have players that are standing up. Samuel Eto is one of the ones that started that movement. We, you, you think of players like Samuel Eto, Prince Boateng, Patrice Evra, with the situation that happened between him and Luis Suarez. And, Again, it, it, it takes it back to, oh, well, that's petty. You know, he's taking it too personally. Again, I'm going to quote Greg Simmons again. If you don't live it, you don't understand it. Yeah. If you don't, if you haven't lived it, you will not understand it. So so I think we've reached the part of the podcast where I think we pretty much cover everything about Edson's career. It, it's yeah. a great, it's someone that I'm glad that we spent the time talking about. I know it's a longer episode, but... It's a real good lesson. It is. It is. Um, 
So yeah, I, I think the best way how to sum up his somebody else's career is someone that he wasn't valued correctly and he went to somewhere where he was valued correctly and proved it all against the odds. And that he was pretty much the precursor to players such as Raheem Sterling, Moise King, Marcus Rashford, Romelu Lukaku, you know, Jeremy say Players that are of color that not only can be great athletes on the pitch, but be great men off the pitch. And, mm-hmm. you know, not only be known for their sporting exploits, but also be known for what they do for their communities. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and again, we need to reiterate, and this is something that I think needs to be expressed more often, that Samuel Eto'o played a major role in the legend of Lionel Messi that we know today. Man, we just had a whole thought experiment. If it weren't for <laughs> him, who knows where Messi would have been at? Or that trouble with the screen. Or Pep Guardiola. You know? So, hey. I mean, it, it makes you think. It does. It <laughs> does. It really does make you think. It makes you realize that. And, and it does make you realize how many of these players that are not praised as much as they need to be have so much influence on players that we do praise. And... We need to we need to we need to go down that rabbit hole. We need to track back and see where is does that influence lie because the credit does need to be given. The flowers do need to be given to those who who gave us the Messi, yeah. the Ronaldos, the the um Heck, the the you know the Moratas the the all of these players who learned from legends who were not as much as pra- praised as much as they should have been it's it's something that may, we need to make sure that we keep an eye on that we make sure that we are aware of the origin stories because it, it's very important and it, it it could teach us what's gonna lead to the next you know the next the next great, the next legend. So, as always, guys, we thank you for checking out these episodes of Can I Kick It? We're nearing episode 20, so, ha-ha! Yeah, we're there. <laughs> um, Closing in on 20. Right, man. Who would have ever thought we would have had 20 episodes just done almost by the end of the year? That's crazy. On top of what we did for River City 93? Yeah. We are, we are in there. There you go. <laughs> um... As always, guys, you can follow the podcast at River City 93 If you're interested in being a subscriber to the podcast, this, a link will be down in the description down below. Uh, you could be a monthly subscriber to the podcast. Uh, we're working on trying to get some benefits on, but we're trying to get more people to join in. I promise you it's not a Ponzi scheme. We're not running off with your money, things like that. Like It's going to benefit the podcast and give us access to articles and stuff that we have to pay you to read and do the research and things like that. Buy better equipment. You know, Things of that nature. So, as always, this is Elliot. This is Shanir. We'll holler at you guys later. Keep you guys on the good side.